Next Chapter Podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG 13. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Happy birthday to me. Happy birthday to me. Happy birthday, dear Josh Adam Myers, who is me. Happy birthday to me. It's my birthday, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for tuning in. I am 39 years old today. I think one of the first times I jerked off, or scrooged really, it wasn't jerking off, it was just the pressure, not actual grip of the penis, was to one of her music videos. What's the one where she's like he, laying he in the got, bed that sex with the bullfighter? Remember he that, that video? He got that, she brought out a sex book where it was like a, I remember that. Oh, the yeah, book Big was Daddy like $120 and like, like Vanilla Ice was in it. With yeah, like, dude. Big Daddy Kane, Vanilla yeah. Ice, Naomi Campbell. Naomi dude, Campbell. trust I know this it, shit, yeah, so, so it was very hard back in the day to get porn, and my brother <laughs> bought this book, and this book was in our house. And I jerked off to that book very, very many times. Your dad and your brother bought the sex book. Yeah, yeah, he still got it. Yeah, yeah. The, the pages didn't hold together well, not because of the cum or anything, but the, the the spine on the book wasn't very durable. Yeah, she didn't really. She, the, the paper was a good quality. The spine. It was like photo was really quality bad. paper. Yeah. And then it was just this fucking <laughs> this book that was like a legal pad. That song. That's I Am The Resurrection. What album is it off of? Oh, well, it's off of The Stone Roses' 1989 debut record, The Stone Roses. And it's number 498 out of 500 on The 500 with Josh Adam Myers. I'm your host, Josh Adam Myers. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to the only podcast where each week me and my guests go through Rolling Stone Magazine's top 500 albums list from Five Honey down to numero uno. And guys, we're down to the final 498th episodes. There's only 497 left after this because our final episode date is May 31st, 2028, where we wrap it up with the number one record, which I'm hoping will either be Paul McCartney as my guest, Oprah, or Boutros Boutros Ghali. One of them might be dead. I have no idea by that time. One of them might be dead already uh, by now. So to follow this podcast, guys, please make sure you pay for your Spotify, your Apple Music, your Amazon Music, whichever way you stream music. Please make sure you listen to these records beforehand. Just listen to it once. Put it on in your car when you're driving to work. Put it on while you're out at the gym. Listen to these records so you kind of have an idea what's going on. Either way, I don't think it makes a difference. You really don't need uh, to listen to these records. Uh, you should, but you don't need to. 
because the discussions that we're having are incredible. And I, I love it because people have been reaching out nonstop about how much they enjoy this. So thank you to everybody that has been tuning in uh, for the first two episodes and tuned into this one. Guys, this means the world to me uh, that you're even listening because I would do this shit solo deep. I would do this just for myself. I was actually going to do this solo deep. I was going to just listen to 500 records over 500 days. And then when I started to do that and post about it on social media, it just so happens today's guest reached out to me and said, dude, this is one of my favorite records of all time. And then I was like, there's the podcast. That's what we're going to do. I'm going to sit down with a comic or an actor or whoever, and we are going to break this shit down. So if you haven't told anybody about this podcast, tell your friends. Tell your friends to join the movement. Make sure everybody rates, reviews, subscribes, everything to the 500 because I love you guys so much and you're just making me so happy to know that you're out there listening to it. This week's guest is the man that literally gave me the idea for this podcast. One of the greatest working comics today, Mr. Jim Jeffries. You guys know Jim from his Comedy Central show, The Jim Jeffries Show. You know him from his FX show, Legit. Or maybe you know him from one of his incredibly hilarious hour specials on HBO or Netflix. He's got a new special currently streaming on Netflix called This Is Me Now. Make sure you guys go and check it out. Jim is one of my favorite comics. He's a close friend of mine. October 2014 is when I met him. I remember that because we have a mutual friend, Forrest Shaw. And Forrest is a great comic, very good friend of mine. And uh, I needed a headliner for the goddamn Comedy Jam. Um, It was a good lineup, but we had done like two months of straight burr. And then we did Adam Devine. And then I was like, God, I need a big name. Who can I ask? And Forrest was like, you know who would be really good for the jam would be Jim. Jim used to sing opera in uh, when he was a kid, in the teenage years. And I was like, oh, please, God, make this happen. And then, dude, not only did Forrest make it happen, but Jim crushed. Jim did, uh, for I think the first time he did the jam, Jim did Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band in do with a little help from my friends. Uh, And his story, the song was great, annihilated the song, but his fucking story was the best because he put on this like $6,000 jacket that he bought from John Varvatos. And the only reason he bought it was he was at this special event at the John Varvatos store on Melrose and San Vicente or Robertson. And as he's trying the jacket on and like, I think I think he's trying the jacket on and he's looking at it almost in like in a ridiculous way. Like, look at this fucking Check it. That's a horrible accent. I'm just going to talk like a normal human being. Jim was like, ugh, look at this jacket and showing it to his friend and be like how ridiculous it is. And at that exact moment, Ringo Starr walks by and goes, you look good in that jacket. And then Jim thought to himself, well, now I have to buy it because if a Beatle tells you you look good in something, you fucking buy it. British people do music better. They do. It's proven. We'll see it throughout the list. I bet you if we go through this list and we found out how many people are American, how many people are British, I would believe that 60% are going to be British. I have no idea if this math is right, but I got to believe that because they just constantly make great music. I love 
Jim Jeffries, and I love this episode, man. He is a real fan of the Stone Roses. So make sure you guys go on Netflix right now and check out Jim's new one-hour special. It's hysterical. Also, don't forget to listen to the end of the podcast, because at the end of each podcast of the 500, we spotlight a new artist that was directly influenced by the band and album that we just talked about. So stay tuned to the end of the episode, guys, where we will be playing that new music for you. And like I said earlier, rate, review, and most importantly, subscribe to The 500. Please tell two friends. I'm listening to a great podcast. It's about the 500 greatest albums of all time. You should join up. Great comics each week, breaking down these records, getting questions asked around the meanings of the songs. So here we go with number 498 out of 500 with the Stone Roses, Stone Roses. Oh, Jim Jeffries, oh, Jim Jeffries. I am so fucking happy to finally sit down with you for this because, to be honest, Jim, you're the reason that I'm doing this and I turn this into a podcast. Why? Because when I was going to just do the do it on my own and do a 500 records over 500 days. Right. When I posted about the stone roses, you were, you sent me that DM that was like, this is one of my favorite records of all time. It'd be, and then, it'd be in my top five albums of all time. Easy. I think this works perfectly with you being a fan because you know, when we were hanging out the other day, you told me some stories. So before we get into all of that, Mm-hmm. What year were you born? You were born in... 1977. 77. What did you grow up listening to? Uh, I grew up listening to like Australian pub rock mostly. Was that Silverchair? Well, no, Silverchair was whacked. I remember, <laughs> I remember seeing Silverchair in a shopping mall with their parents. Really? They were 14 or yeah, something when that album came out. Like Danny they, was adorable, I'm not going to lie. They were out like shopping with their mum and dad. Like I remember they couldn't tour until they finished high school. Uh-huh. But Frog Stomp was such a good album. So good. And then, yeah, you know, I, I think he got arthritis afterwards and started dating Nelly and Bruglia. Wait, is arthritis a side project he was in? Or, or is he going to like I think, had... I think it might take a lot to make Nelly and Bruglia come <laughs> and that eventually your fingers go. I don't know. But I, I, I don't know. But like, like, I'm uh... already torn. Please lay off of me. I'm already You've broken my finger. Right. She nicked that song. She did. Did she really? Yeah, it's, in a, it's a song from like... Say, I'm gonna say like a Scandinavian band or some shit, but it's like it's not even it's not like she nicked the riff. She nicked the whole thing. But yeah, but she was adorable. She's I, I saw her I saw her in uh, Soho House in uh, London about sort of six or seven years making out with Harry Styles. I'm like that girl still got it. He, he was about four. <laughs> you know what I mean? She was like forty something, but she she's got it, man. Do you remember Frente? Accidentally careless street where <laughs> friends and strangers sometimes meet. I love I have Frente. a theory on I love that song. That's a happy song. I have a theory that Accidentally Kelly Street is actually a song about rehab. Really? Listen to the lyrics again. Here's a chair and here's a table, here's a mirror with the, the music's playing in a black and white movie, the TV's there, that's what it's for. Um, and something about like um, perhaps this sense of something will this be like uh, now we've all learned to share. Listen to the lyrics. If you break the lyrics down, it sounds like someone who's just come out of therapy and then they're sitting in a fucking home 
I think that's every song. Every Not song all has the a dishes song. are done by sunset and da 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 da. I mean, if you go, you could do any Beatles song. Accidentally, Kelly Street, where friends and strangers sometimes meet. Accidentally, Kelly Street. I never thought my life would be so sweet. Peter, <laughs> Peter, play a little bit of that right now. Accidentally, Kelly Street, where friends and strangers sometimes meet. That's about rehab, everybody. What were this little? I snippet. believe it's about rehab. But read the lyrics afterwards. Read okay. the lyrics, and if you if you read it like a poem, you go, "That's a person in rehab." That's every song. No, dude. this I'm one's like you. crazy, like that. Okay, so you, so you grew up, so you grew up listening. You said Australian pub, pop? Rock. pub rock, pub rock. So well, you know, it sort of goes back to like In Excess was like a pub band, and then Men at Work, and then you know, obviously ACDC, but but more like uh, Midnight Oil, and then UMI was a big band for me. You na- everyone that you named called the Whitlams. Everyone that you've named, I've heard of, and I didn't realize that was like pub rock. I just would have thought that would have been just pop. Well, it's like it's like you couldn't just become like a, a person on the radio show. You, there wasn't the, uh, the population. You had to tour. You had to do live gigs, and so everyone just did the pub scene. The Highway to Hell pub, yeah, is in uh, the end of the Canning Freeway or Canning Highway. Canning it's a, Highway. Wait, it's a pub. Well, there's a pub at the end. I can't remember the name of the pub, but maybe the Raffles or the Rafferty or something like that. Okay, but there's a pub that's in Perth. Which was notorious for being like that Blues Brothers thing where bottles were thrown. Yeah, people, yeah. And that was the end of the Canning Highway. And the Canning Highway is the highway to hell where they wrote the song going there because they were going to the hellish gig. Oh, I thought that this is what they did was they just named pubs after famous songs. So. No, 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 no. This, this was long <laughs> so this is the uh, Can't Get You Out of My Head Manic Manny <laughs> Petty Spa. It's Kylie Minogue came in here once. No, there was, there was a band called The Whitlams that I, I enjoyed a lot. And there was, there was uh, UMI, which was like, uh, I was a big fan of UMI. Yeah. Um, Powderfinger. Don't know them. Uh, Powderfinger's good, man. I'm still, wait, I just want to ask, because I know you mentioned it. Powderfinger, I, Crowded House. I don't give a fuck what anyone I says. love Crowded House. I love don't Crowded Dream House. It's Over. Split, split Ends. Don't know that one. Split Ends is Crowded House before Crowded House. Okay, well, I know so Don't Dream Finn's, It's Over. Neil Finn and Tim Finn's band, then Tim Finn left, and then Neil Finn made Crowded House, but still the same members. The Finns, yeah. And the, the Australians the try to steal up. it. It's really a New Zealand band, but like... Yeah. So New Zealanders wrote the songs and all that stuff, but we had an Australian drummer, I think, so that makes it an Australian band. Yeah. So, you know. Right, well, I, just, I saw the last ever Crowded House concert okay. they did in front of the Sydney Opera House. There's like 80,000 80, people showed up, and um, they thought like 40,000 were going to show up and it was a free gig, and the place went fucking mad. And UMI was opening, opening for them. Powderfinger was the band before that. And um, I think they uh, that was 20-something years ago, and they just redid that concert. In front of the steps. But their drummer committed suicide, um, Paul Hester, who was very heavily into uh, the comedy community in Australia. And he fucking hung himself from a tree in a park in Melbourne. Oh, wow. Told his kids, he's like, I'm going for a walk. And he was a very funny guy in that whole depression and comedy thing. But he, he had, like, comedy shows and everything. It was very sad. Well, well um, I don't know how we're going to be able to continue the podcast on this set. <laughs> so, God, <laughs> right, God so, bless Paul so, Hester, <laughs> man. Paul Hester. Listening. Hashtag Paul Hester. All right, so let me ask you this: So, what were the the big obsession bands? Like, you know, like if if I had my my Iron Maiden phase, my Guns N' Roses phase, like well, your- I, I had a Guns N' Roses phase. Okay, um, I had a Cure phase. Um, I've had a Beatles phase my whole life. Everybody does. I think yeah, that's, my, that's, my, that's my, just everybody. And my, and my parents weren't Beatles fans. It was just something that I sort of discovered. My brothers didn't listen to them or anything like that. My brother's eight years older than me. And so it was 1986 or seven. Uh-huh. The, the CD player really hit in Australia, and then uh, Dire Straits, Men in Arms, Brothers in Arms, came out, and it just it was sounded so good on a digital recording. Oh, I bet, yeah. I want my drum. 
<laughs> and so he would just play that intro all the time. And, then, <laughs> and so, so it was just like... Cue that, Peter. He would listen to cheesy shit like that in the Joshua Tree album. That's not cheesy. No, but it was it was of its time, this whole, like, there was, like, sort of douchey fratty. My brother was a douchey fratty guy. Okay. And he listened to those two albums, Joshua Tree and Brothers in Arms. Over it. And so I had a healthy disdain for both those bands. And I, I now would like you two in a, in a way, but it took me... 20 years before I could listen to them in any I get any, it I, I feel like I feel like they're older you two like the Joshua Tree and the my stuff middle brother with. listened to fucking Madonna I, l- I like Madonna, Madonna though I like Madonna he was mad for Madonna heterosexual not- mad for Madonna odd I mean, I think one of the first times I jerked off, or scrooged, really, it wasn't jerking off, it was just the pressure, not actual grip of the penis, was to one of her music videos. What's the one where she's, like, laying he in got, the bed that with the bullfighter? Remember he that, that video? He got that, she brought out a sex book where it was, like, a, I remember that. Oh, the yeah, book Big was, Daddy like, $120, Kane? and, like, like, Vanilla Ice was in it. With yeah, like, dude. Big Daddy Kane, Vanilla yeah. Ice, Naomi Campbell. Naomi dude, Campbell. trust I know this shit, yeah, dude. So, so it was very hard back in the day to get porn, and my brother <laughs> bought this book, and this book was in our house. And I jerked off to that book very, very many times. Your dad, your brother bought the sex book. Yeah, yeah, he still got it. Yeah, yeah. The, the pages didn't hold together well, not because of the cum or anything, but the, the the spine on the book wasn't very durable. Yeah, she didn't really. She, the, the paper was a good quality. The spine. It was like photo really quality bad. paper. Yeah. And then it was just this fucking <laughs> this 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 book that was like a legal pad at, at the end with a metal cover. Fuck that. And it was dude. just called Sex. Cindy Lauper's was made perfectly. You could still holds up Cindy Lauper's sex book. No, I wonder if there's a there's a good copy of the Madonna sex book that's in mint condition because I feel like they're all matted. Tweet at us or or tag us if anybody has one and is willing to uh, donate it to the five hundred. <laughs> well, he still has it. It's just not in good condition. Yeah, but we don't want one that's been coming. No, on. I want a freshie. No, so- no, but one that Jim Jeffries wanked to. That's got to. <laughs> There's got to be some market for that. Like I'm not that arrogant, but I feel like there's someone, one of my fans. <laughs> I love that. All right, so so how do you feel like your music uh, appreciation and what you listen to has grown from that time growing up until well, no, like I feel now? I feel I feel like it grew for many many years and then it, it stunted in sort of the late nineties. And look, everything 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 stops when you have kids as well. When as sure. soon as you have a child, whatever you were into, fashion or clothing or whatever, everything stops and you just go You're just boom. stuck in and that. And so I still have oh like you know I'm an Oasis fan. I still have a big hangover from them. And I still buy I still think greatness is a, is upon them. One of them's gonna do something phenomenal. And I still buy the solo albums from both artists, which is weird because I love the Beatles so much, but Paul McCartney can bring out every fucking album in the world. I'm still not gonna buy it. Yeah, I and, and he's yeah, and I, there's I, the I, argument that he's gotta write something good on there. It's gotta be something amazing. The guy's got I, the skills, but you just go, eh, and in the end, and that's then you it. yeah, it's, I feel like everything that Paul has released recently is just too like woke up, fell out of bed, dragged a doop scoop, and well, then the I give you a Sunday. Is, the problem is he obviously falls in love far too easily. Too easily. Too easily. Every song is like, This is the one, this is the person <laughs> I've been waiting for. I'm so happy that you've come into my life. Next track and is like, like Whoops, I fucked up. I really meant yeah. you. Oh, I've, I've lost you a lot of money, but this new bird's the one. <laughs> She's right? pretty and good. So it's like, and she wait, doesn't wait. have a leg. When he was with Heather Mills, and he... And he Is that the legless? Yeah, the legless one. And he was like, 
he goes, I'm pretty sure this has never happened to me before. I found you and now I'm sure. That was like last time. It was Aww. like, it was chaos and something in the backyard. It was like, mm-hmm. cool. And then I was thinking, if you were Paul McGann's kids, you go, well, what about mum? You're always going on about mum. Yeah, Linda was great. You're always going on. You had mum in the fucking band. You had mum in the band. You were releasing fucking frozen meals with her. And now all of a sudden, fucking, you know, one knee. All right. So, so you're saying, because you, so it sounds like you're pretty much like me. Is that like I'm stuck within the same hundred records? Yeah, we went and saw the Killers together. The Killers Killers is one of the last bands that I really, really got into, you know, But, but even then, it's like. No, I'd still, I'd still buy any Killers album that comes out. Well, I've seen, like, if we're just going by what you sang at the jam, at the goddamn comedy jam, it's been uh, two Beatles songs, you've done a Killers song, what else have I missed? I did you an Amy Oasis. Winehouse song. You did do Amy Winehouse, yeah. but, but I did the Zootons, Zootons, version, did the Zootons version, which yeah. is far better. Which is, which is from me living in Britain in that era. And it's all about when are you taking drugs, when are you making out with girls. It, it, everything's about... Music's a, a memory that you have from, I remember when I fucked this person, or I remember when I sure. went on a date with this person. And when you're older and you got kids, you don't want to... Music's uh, something that you use as a memory of when you were having fun in your life. Yes. When you stop having fun, you don't want to go, oh, that's when I was miserable. <laughs> yep. Oh, that's, that's when I had my hemorrhoid surgery. <laughs> I, remember, I remember when that song came out. It's, music's from a, from a carefree time in your life. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. You talk about Silverchair. I remember smoking pot by the rope swing in Germantown, Maryland. Yeah. I mean, but then I, when I started getting into like the Radiohead, that's when like the seriousness of life kind of yeah, yeah, started yeah. coming on to me. So tell me about your first experience because that brings us to what our album is. And our album is number 498 out of 500, okay? It is the Stone Roses. It was nine, ranked 498. Ranked 498. From who? From the Rolling Stone magazine. Oh, but Rolling not Stone. from them. No, I, never get, I never get into the top 100 comedians. No, no, which is bullshit. How many comedians do you need? Don't worry about why it's Rolling Stone. Could be NME. I don't oh, give yeah. a fuck. I like the because, NME. Of course you do, because they're gonna bring, we're bringing them up a lot later. So this is number 498 out of 500. I once presented an award show for the NME, and they never paid me. And I still like them. Well, I get it. They, I mean, they said they were going to give me a nice gift. Still waiting, enemy. <laughs> I did that for fucking free, you cunts. I want everybody to... It's where Elton John and Bernie Tolpin met each other in the fucking classified section in the back. Really? Everyone thinks there's some romantic fucking story about those two. Like, they were like, I like music, you like music too. I like to write lyrics, I like to write songs. Maybe we should get together. Right? No, that never happened. He just was like, Elton John just advertised in the back of the enemy and just went, I need a lyricist. And then he was like, oh, and, you know, probably Tim Rice wrote to him. I don't know who the fuck else wrote to sure. him. Sure. But that's how that magical relationship <laughs> happened. Now they're making a movie about that. All right, here we go. So it's the 1998 debut album 
from the Stone Roses called the Stone Roses. All tricks tracks written by Ian Brown and John Squire with Ian on vocals, John on guitars, mm-hmm. Manny on bass, Rene on drums. Rene and the and album drums. was produced by John Leckie, and John Leckie went on to produce Muse, Origin of Symmetry, and Radiohead the Benz, two of my favorite records. So tell me about the first time you heard this, how you got into the Stone Roses. I was on a date with a guy. Where are been, you? This is in England? or? This is in Australia. I may have been like 18. This is the first time I ever heard about the band. And, and I, I may have been like 18 or something like that. And she was heavily into music. She was probably 17 or 18. Well, you know, whatever. We were similar age. Sure. Similar age. And um, we went to a bar and she had a group of friends that we met up with. And they had all gone and seen the Stone Roses. And at that stage, I had a lot of hair. And I had a sort of a mop-top hairdo. And one of the girls went, I look like Ian Brown. Now, I obviously don't look like Ian Brown at all. Maybe more when I was 18. And so one of her friends was fucking besotted with me because she'd just come from the concert. She was probably on drugs. And so I was like, wow, that's all right. I look like some rock star. You Wait, know? What are the drugs that the people are doing back then? Is it like oh, is it in Australia, speed, or... speed probably. Speed? Okay. Speed. So uh, I'm ecstasy as well. You know, okay. Chemical stuff. We can't ship things in. It has to be done in a lab. I get Because back then, you, you, we're an island. It's just so Everything <laughs> comes in a fucking, in a condom up someone's arsehole. Right. I got, <laughs> I got 50 more pounds of that crystal. That's the worst. Crystal yeah. meth. So, uh, so I remember I went and had a look at the album in a record store afterwards. And then I thought, oh, I'll listen to it. And then I, I thought, ah, oh, it's all right. And then I moved to Britain a few years later to uh, try to pursue comedy. That album was played at every party that I went to. Every single time I went to a party. And then years later, I went to Manchester for a few years. And then obviously, by that stage, I was an Oasis fan. And then every interview I saw Liam or Noel do, they always referred back to the Stone Roses. So I got into it quite late, that album. So let me ask you a question, because you mentioned that's being played. But they were already broken up by the time I was a fan. So you're saying you're getting into them around 1990... Yeah, 2000, really. Oh, wow. Oh, so late. So 11 years after the album came out. But I heard about it years earlier. And that's what's funny with me, is I'm basically the same thing, where it's like I had my fascination in 99 into the 2000s with like Brit Rock, where Mm. I started getting really into Radiohead and Travis and Gomez and The Verve. I've seen Ian Brown in concert several times, and then it was basically when you saw Ian Brown in concert, you're basically watching the Stone Roses because you do all the songs. It wasn't like there was any harmonies that needed to be fucking matched up or anything like that. So when you're first hearing this, like, what is sticking out? I remember we have the track list, but do you remember any of the particular songs that... It was it was Waterfall was the first song that I heard, and that was like, uh, I saw an interview, and Ringo Starr said it was the best album of, like, the last 20 years or something. And then, my mind. and then Ringo Starr was like, he's like, Waterfall is a good song. You should listen to Waterfall. <laughs> and so that was, <laughs> that was where it all started. It was Ringo Starr said something, and I thought, oh, all right, I'll, I'll give this, this band another listen. And then it was just very good drug music, you know, at the, at the height. It, yeah, it is. It's my, we, me and my, 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 one of my producers, David, think it's perfect driving. Perfect driving. High. If you, I'm yeah. always high. So if being high and, and also driving. There, there, was, there was the movie 24-Hour Party People. Where I they remember that. Where reference it very slightly about everything that happened at the Hacienda in Manchester. And the Hacienda was like the, the pill-popping nightclub that, that everyone went to, but they didn't make any money because no one was buying drinks. And then now the Hacienda apartments in um, Manchester. Uh-huh. People take photos just out the front. just to, you know. So it was just a warehouse district in Manchester. Uh, and incidentally, the Manchester Comedy Store is probably 200 metres from the Hacienda, okay. from where the Hacienda was. Mm-hmm. 
And so, so being there, you'd meet like Northern Comics and all the other, they'll be like, oh, this is where the, ma- the Hacienda was, man. I fucking pill, fucking off my head, stone roses, get fucking mashed up, you know. I love that accent. Yeah, so yeah. That's the Manchester accent? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's perfect. And so, so, uh, <laughs> well, it's, like a, it's like a skeezy fucking one. You got yeah, but then, you, then you've got like Liverpool's very close and more, in it. Right? More, wait, it's got more phlegm? Fucking hell. Oh, you know, go, to, go over to Manchester, you know. Go fucking watch the Stone Roses, you know. Fucking Manchester, the fucking top of Fucking shite. They had this romance about the late 90s and the Stone Roses. Mm-hmm. and the, Well, the early 90s and the Stone Roses and getting fucked up and going. And so that was the same. If you watch like that Supersonic documentary Which with, did, yeah. with Oasis where they were performing under the like that, those little rooms. That was all that, where, they, where Oasis were just formed and they used to just sure, play yeah, yeah, by yeah. themselves. Mm-hmm. And that was all just after the Stone Roses. Now, you know the Stone Roses got back together. They did in 2013. And, yeah, and they got back together and they never sold a stadium before. And then all of a sudden they were a stadium act. Because guys like me had become fans of them since the breakup. Um, and they got back together, I think it was because Ian Browns, it was always Browns and Squire wouldn't, couldn't get along. It's always they, the, it's always the two their, best. Their it's always the two most important people in every band that, that don't get along. And it was one of their mums died. It was at a funeral, and that's how everything gets together because you can have all the problems in the world with a person, but if you were kids with someone and their mum dies, you still go to the funeral. Because they actually met in, uh, it was either middle or, or well, grade school, and one of them stopped the other one or helped somebody out beat, Somebody was getting beat up, and then they beat together, beat somebody else up, and they became friends. That's what I read. Yeah, and so Squ- I Squires that. was a very unique guitarist, a very like you, one of those guys where you can you knew it was him playing, which is quite yeah. Well, it's you know listening to the record, it's like from not knowing anything about him, like the solos are either these really chunky guitar strokes, which we're going to talk about when we get to the track little, list, little plucky or, things, or they're so. little plucky, but it's but, but it's not like, like a, acoustic plucky, but little note. Ding. Bing, bing, bing. Which song is that? Which bing, ding, ding, ding. Waterfall. Peter, play a little bit of the beginning. So, so when you first hearing this, like, why is it sticking out to you? Like, what is it that's drawing you to this record? What is it that drew you? Because, like, I talked to well, Forrest. I don't, I don't know. It's the same thing. It's, pro- it's probably drugs and alcohol, and it's probably I made out on a beanbag with some girl, and I had a good night, and then that sticks with you. It's everything. Everything in life is association. Sure. Everything's like I had a good day that day, and that was what was playing, and now I'm happy, and I had a bad day that day, and you know, it's like I hate the Kings of Leon because I used to have this. This girlfriend I dated, and every time we got into a fight, and she got all, we all got belligerent and angry with each other. She'd be like, she, "Fuck you!" Yeah, fuck oh, you. Yeah. All these sexes. Yeah, exactly. Like, she'd go, she'd bitch. go into the other room, and she'd play <laughs> Kings of Leon. The, and so that was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was the soundtrack to fights. Oh, I hate. Just what a horrible one. Just hell no, hell. There was some song that went I don't know what that song was, but you just are saying to her like, "Where do you want to go to eat tonight?" Hell, you gotta use somebody. 
Yeah, yeah. Fuck you, Jim. So oh, I've man. always Jesus. hated Kings of Leon for that reason. Fuck but I, I assume the Stone Roses were something at a happy period in my life. I like that. And, and what's funny is when I was talking to our friend Forrest Shaw about this, and he says that you guys get into discussions about this record of why yeah. it's one of the greatest ones ever. Well, you- it's, it's like they bring... They, okay, so you can have like the greatest hits of the Stone Roses now. There's only two albums. And do you speaking of that? I don't want to. I don't want to get to that later. But do you like Second Coming as much I as you just, like the listen, first one? You only need the greatest hits because it's got like sixteen tracks on it. You're cutting out all this shit. So the only thing that wasn't on the first album that was a single that was released that you know that just didn't make it onto the, it was Sally Cinnamon. Yes, which is, was their first was one of the first songs that right, they wrote. which which should have been on the first album. Mm-hmm. And cut some of the fat off and put that in there. But, like, all in all, there's very few albums where there's, like, seven or eight tracks where you go, killer, 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 killer. There's eight and singles that were released from this. Whenever I listen to this album, I never... I, I always do it on LP, so I never jump forward or back in any tracks. Sure. No, I get it. So, all right, so let's say this. So what would be your favorite song on this record? What's the one that you feel you're the most connected to? Um, I Want to Be Adored or, or She Bangs the Drums or I Am the Resurrection. Like, it's sort of... You know, you know why I like I Am the Resurrection. I don't think there's been a like um, the bit at the end is a bit wank where they just have a fucking jam session. At the don't end like the that song. part either. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I like the fact that I don't know of another song that takes maybe three minutes before you hit the chorus. So you're, you, yes, if, you're if, right if, about if you that. Hear it for the first time, no, you're right. You're like I guess this is the song. Here, I, I want guess this to... is the song. But before they kick into the real fucking uh, fist pumping bit. Yes. And and before the fist pumping bit, you're already like, this is a good song. Well, if you go, it it pounds. Like, if 40, for almost like the first doom, beginning, doom, just doom, 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 play it for me. Play the beginning, Peter. This is a very, I don't know if you know this, if you really read these lyrics, this is a very anti-religious Very record. anti-religious, but it's also open to interpretation, like when you're angry or someone pisses you off in your life. You know, don't waste your words. They don't mean anything from you. I don't care where you've been or what you plan to do. Look at you. You yeah. know this shit, dude. Yeah, You've so. d- someone's been doing the research no, no, on no, this. I just know this album. I just, yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right, well, let's jump into... All right, well, let's do this before I get back because I want to get into the track list where we break down the, the songs and ask you some questions. What is the song, if you wanted to make this a perfect album, going by that release, the one that we're saying that, that starts with I Want to Be Adored and yes. ends with Fool's Gold. We're doing the U.S. release of 1999. What song would you leave so off Fool's, this record? Fool's Gold was never on the, on the U.K. release. It wasn't on the UK, but it's on the B sides. But on the, we're going by the USA one. Okay, so which? Okay. So what song could we would we leave off that record to make it a perfect album? Which one do you think is the worst out of it? Um, I already know mine. Bye bye, bad man. Oh, really? Yeah. Or don't stop. Don't stop is is garbage too. Yeah, don't stop, I, I'd say don't you know stop. what I'm going to tell you for you because Elephantstone. Elephantstone's one of those ones that it's like it's all it's all right, but it's overplayed or people think that's a better song than it is. Well, I would leave off Fool's Gold because I you think see, Fool's, Fool's Gold... Gold is the one when you're chatting to some mank and Fuck. it's like. They're like fucking fool's gold, man. No, it sounds like stereo MCs. I want to get myself connected right in something. There's very little to no synthesizer used on the album, and it feels like it's almost like a dance track. 
I just didn't boom, like boom, it. I felt like boom, I felt like boom, after boom, I am the boom, resurrection, you yes, stop. It's, but after I Am the Resurrection, you gotta stop that record. It ended perfectly with I Am the Resurrection. I Am the Resurrection fucking pounds, man. Yeah, but that's the problem is that the Fool's Gold was such a big song in Britain after that album came How? out. It was probably just a single or something. But there's like there's very, think about this album as well for whatever four ninety eight or whatever the fuck it is on your on your on your four ninety eight. Respect the list, Jim. There's, there's no there's no uh, there's no video clips. They made music videos. No, there's no music. Yes, they did. No, no, no. If no. you go on, they're all shitty things. They're all appropriated stuff. Where Ian Brown's just wearing a fucking t-shirt with dollar notes around his fucking neck. He's such a badass. All right, let's get into the track listing. All right, so we open up the album with "I Want to Be Adored." It's a great way to come in. It's a slow build into the song. Peter, do me a favor. Play uh, minute three, second thirty-six for the breakdown of "I Want to Be Adored." This is my favorite part. It's the part where it goes, "I wanna, I wanna." I wanna be I wanna be it's fucking dope, dude. It builds, it's sick. The song is about, I found this out, it's a meal coupe to fans of the band who criticized the band for signing to a major label with Ian Brown effectively claiming that the group did so in order to reach a wider audience via the resources of that new label. We were talking about the lyrics earlier. I don't have to sell my soul. It's already in me. I don't I have to don't sell my soul. To sell my soul. It's already in me. When you come and see me at a theater, I used to have that track in my sort of warm-up music just because I like the song. And then I thought maybe it's sending a message that I want the audience to adore me or something. So I got rid of it. Which leads to my question. How do you feel about the idea of selling out? And have you felt at any point in your career? Oh, I try to sell out everywhere I go. It's <laughs> okay. the whole idea of booking a theater. Sure, because you want to reach a wider out, audience. Well back in a comedy <laughs> so, what, so what, like, so in that idea of like when people shit on people that sell out, it's like that whole clip from that Metallica uh, documentary. I, I get told all the time that I used to be a better comic. I used to be maybe different when I was younger, but I was different in every way when I was younger and and you know am I better now worse now I, it's open to interpretation I, I get different people coming to see me or what have you um, this idea of selling out there's nothing more pretentious than a person who's like this band was good before blah, hate blah, blah, that blah, blah, blah. yeah well I, there's a couple bands that I'm like that with but I but at the same time there's a few bands but it's like you have to change direction so heavily that you know, it's like it's like okay. So UB40 used to be like this political band from Britain who sang about politics. The f- the form UB40 was the unemployment uh, form in Britain. Mm-hmm. That's why they were named that. And then they do like an Elvis cover and a fucking uh, cover of Red Red Wine by Neil Diamond. And that's how they became Brett Kavanaugh's favorite band. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and then news. they were just like, fuck it, we'll just fucking make some money. So that, that's that's the example of a band that really did sell out. But what I'm saying is, is like the idea. Are there people that you have like even comics or or, or politicians, no, I don't, I don't whatever? Think, that think, the idea I think, of I don't think comics ever really sell out. I think you're, you're either what you were when you started or not. You know, it's not like you can you can write a routine and go, this will be a catchy one that everyone will, will enjoy. I'm always surprised personally by stand-up routines that I do on my specials. I always go, that one's the good one, that one's the good one, that one's the good one. And then the bit that goes viral or the bit that everyone remembers is never the one that I pick. When I did the gun control thing, I never had an image that that would be the one that everyone would latch onto. Really? No, I never, I never remember thinking, 
this, I'm doing something here. This is the bit. And now, you know, I'm doing political fucking comedy shows and I <laughs> never talked about it. politics before. This is the one. Yeah, We're yeah. talking 60 million views. Yeah, Fuck I yeah, know, dude. I never, I never saw that. I always thought my best routine was the one about the muscular dystrophy brothel and all that stuff. <laughs> I still do. Fuck yeah, dude. All right, let's move on. So under the Shebangs of Drums. Now, Shebangs of Drums, I was delighted sure. to see about 10 years ago. Play the they, intro, when, Peter. Well, I was about 10 years ago when I bought Guitar Hero, and mm-hmm. it had this song on it. And before that moment, I thought that no one in America knew this band existed. And then I was like, oh, that's cool. They have a Stone Roses song on Guitar Hero. So one of those things where I, I it's like this, this record and this song, it's... When you're talking about what we're going to bring up later is the Manchester scene in mm-hmm. in England, where they're talking about how this band came from the rave and electronic dance scene, and it's kind of like this their interpretation of mixing all that well, stuff no, no, into it's, into it's, rock. It's more than that, this was this was the band that brought back guitar music because before this band. It was just people taking pills and listening to DJs. So what are you talking about, like New Order? Is New Order before that? Well, no. You're, what about uh, bands like, uh, what's that fucking band? Joy Division, right? That's right around the well, same it's time. It's the same sort of. The but Smiths? There's an era. No, but that wasn't, no, because that the Smiths didn't mesh that with that. Mm-hmm. This is the one that brought all the kids out that were listening to the techno in, back to guitar bands. And then when Oasis came in, it was just guitar bands again. We're back to rock right, right away. Mm-hmm. You, you don't understand like how pivotal a moment that was because everyone was. I remember just being in the nineties and just getting into cars and people putting techno on their fucking stereo. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? And we didn't have any bands that that were coming out. And so, so, so the Stone Roses were a, a nice little bridge between the two. Do you think so? Then if you go through. The lyrics, because of what you're saying, it actually makes sense. Well, none because, of the lyrics. Because if we go, no, 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 but no, this actually means something. So my favorite lyric is, "Play the thirty, pre thirty seconds into the song, Peter." That's a very bold what, statement. What Kiss my ass. On this album? You had your time. My time is now. Get the fuck out of here. Do you so do you think that was their statement to those I, I, techno people? I think people? there was, but I think we could overread these things. I think people often read too much into art. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. What's up, everyone? This is Jay Reason. I want to let you all know that Diablo Zen Podcast is now part of the Sound Talent Media family. Listen in as me and the one and only Danny Diablo, a.k.a. Lord Ezak, interview artists from the hardcore punk, metal, hip-hop scenes, and beyond. We have conversations with guests like actor Peter Green, DJ Muggs from Cypress Hill, L.A. street photographer Estevan Oriol, Jimmy G from New York City's legendary Murphy's Law, and pro wrestler Vampiro, to name a few. If you're a fan of good discussions and lots of laughs, tune in and join the fun. No, I understand. But all right, so then let me ask you this, though. Do you feel like that statement rings true? Is there a changing of the guards? In definitely, music, there, was in definitely a, there was definitely a changing of the guards, yeah. But, but I, don't, I don't know if they were as um, aware of it as, as we are now in hindsight. 
This is a song that I used to dance to at this like underground music party in Baltimore called Tax Low. And it's literally, ladies and gentlemen, about a guy that just wants to fuck a female drummer. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Then coming to your favorite song, Jiminy, <laughs> uh, Waterfall. Peter, play three minutes and 30 seconds into the song for that guitar breakdown. So, so basically, this song uh, is about leaving home and becoming an adult outside of your parents' control, realizing that you can conquer the world. Here's some sample lyrics. Now you're at the wheel. Tell me how you tell me how. How does it feel? So good to have equalized to lift up the lives of your eyes. So I feel it's like finally outside of the world. You know that you are now being awakened. So be the water. I think he was never a great, great singer. But no, but but his lyrics are good because what he's basically saying there is just go with the flow. Be the waterfall. I heard that he was just like Ian Brown was just like a fucking. Just like a supremely cool guy. Dude, there's something that I remember I heard by Ian Brown a long time ago. I can't remember what it was, and I can't find it on Spotify, but I think it was on one of the first records he did solo. You know this song Fear he does, right? Every, no. every Okay, so he has a song called Fear. Okay. For everything a reason, forgive everything and remember. Finally, everything spells out is an acronym for fear, right? All, all the oh, lyrics that he does all okay. the Okay, I see what he's doing. Yeah, you know I mean, and but there's a lot of like fucking drug out old British people who think it's a spiritual journey when they listen to that song. For each your Fuck every asshole, really. really. (laughs) Fun erections, ass rectum. And then you go into Don't Stop After Waterfall, which I think is terrible. It's just backwards. Now what we're doing is, and what I think is actually, this is the tale of two records. I actually feel that the record gets better in the second half and the later half of it. I do like we. I want to be adored. But then we get into Bye Bye Bad Man, which is funny because these are the heaviest lyrics on top of such an upbeat song. Bye Bye Bad Man centers upon the riots in Paris in May 1968. And the lemon slice on the album cover is inspired by these riots, which focuses upon the philosophy of situationalism, which is what we're about to talk about. (laughs) Additionally, the protests attempted to suppress the alleged overbearing establishment of the period. During these riots, lemons were used to counteract the tear gas used by riot police and Brown and Squire noted this and wrote a song in recognition of the bravery, togetherness of the protesters in face of violence. Now, you can hear you that in the lyrics. Painted all the albums. Say what? It's his artwork, Squire's artwork on the covers. Yeah, but it's basically a Jackson Pollock. It's Jackson Pollock, but rip he still off. Does yeah, it. yeah, for sure. Now, play "Bye Bye Bad Man." We're just a little bit, Peter. I'm going so 
here are some of the lyrics. Soak me to the skin, you would drown me in your sea. Submission ends and I begin. Choke me, smoke the air in the citrus sucking skin. I don't care, you're not all there. Here he comes. Got no questions, got no love. I'm throwing stones at you. I want you black and blue. I'm going to make you bleed. Going to bring you down to your knees. I mean, that is the most upbeat way to throw stones at him? To, no, <laughs> to say oh, the man. most. I mean, this at? is, he's talking about making you bleed. He's talking about, you know, I want you black and blue, which is basically them, them uh, the, the protesters facing off with the riot gear. Now, to get into this, situationalism, which is what they were talking about, is, is what this was based on. It's a branch of psychology based on the belief that a person's behavior is largely determined by their environment or context. So let me ask you a question. Do you think this is true? Did you find that your early life environment made you who you are today? Is that what did. makes of you? Did, yeah. So where so where do you think like a lot of the how did that, you know, where you grew up affect how you think and how you are no, now? No, I don't think it I don't think like the location being Australia did much, but I think definitely your childhood and you, you, how you were parented and what have you affects you. I am a believer that you're 70% what you are the second you come out of the womb and that's just who you are. And sure. I believe that 30% is crucial. And you you can decide whether that 70% is going to be an angry 70% mm-hmm. or a happy 70%. Okay. But you can't teach people... Um, you can't teach the motivation as such, you know, like people who are super, super competitive, like Kobe Bryant or something like that, who they're just all the time. I don't have that in me, this super competitive, but that's a gene that's born into you. You sure. can't, you can't I believe produce, that too. You can't produce that. Um, jealousy is something that you're either a super jealous person or you're not, and you can try to deal with that through life. But anger is something that's definitely put into you. You know, what I mean, whether you're angry all the time, or yeah, you know, and or whether you're supremely happy constantly. So, how do you feel that your childhood has gotten you to where you are now? That um, I think I definitely had a chip on my shoulder growing up, and I still have that chip on my shoulder now. I I think sadly, a lot of any success that I've had or anything that I've achieved has I, I, have, a, I have a big well, you can fuck you, Gene. I have a big proving people wrong, Gene. You know yeah. what I mean. And I think that's not inherently in people. That's uh, the, I have the same thing. I do yeah. that because of my dad. Yeah. I do the same thing where it's like I just wanted to prove to him that everything I yeah, said I as a the kid. Same, same thing with my mother. I, I, I just – that I'm not an idiot and I can, you know. Oh, my God. No wonder we're fucking friends. Yeah, yeah. But, but, but that's that, that, that whole thing that you have to and – then, and then you realize later on in life that the only person that truly cares about most of it is you. Yeah. When, when when you you, you do something or you, you you have a success in your life and you're like there see see most people are pretty happy for you or most people don't care. No, I know? believe I believe the and, same and, thing. And, and you think that these people who are sitting at home angry and then you're like well, I proved it wrong to them and there are those people of course there are those people but they don't matter. All right, moving on, Elizabeth, my dear, basically a ripoff of Scarborough Fair. Just play the beginning, Peter. Yeah, but this is just connection of tissue now. Yeah, of course, but it's it's you know they're basically just saying fuck the royalty. Uh, it's it's to me it was you know I, I just it's I've heard it before, kind of heard it before. Song for my sugar spun sister. Now this song is about loving someone to death. And they aren't reciprocating. Now, it's funny because if you listen to the song, it could be a hooker because the lyrics, it says, I got her for 15 or more. So he's saying he might have this this prostitute mm-hmm. for 15. 
And for 15, so, fifteen minutes or fifteen dollars? Fifteen could be either or. Yeah, yeah. Could be either or. He doesn't know. That's what I'm saying. Ian left it to our imagination. Right, right, right. Uh, and he says that this is if you he has the most impossible shit. He has to do the most impossible shit to make this girl happy. Now play the chorus at fifty six seconds into the song, Peter. Don't fuck this up, buddy. Until the sky turns green and the grass is several shades of blue. Until the sky turns green. Every member of parliament trips on glue. It takes all these things and all that time to my sugar spun sisters happy with this love of mine. Uh, What's the most ridiculous shit you've ever done to impress somebody? Girl or person you're just trying to hang out with? The most ridiculous thing I've ever done to impress a girl. Probably high school going. The, the, re, the reason I'm here doing any of it is I went into school musicals to try to meet girls. So you were doing what? I, like? At school, when you're 14, 15, and you're not good at sport, yeah. you're not terribly good looking, and how do you meet girls? Where do you meet them? There's no bars. There's no anything. You just meet the girls at school, and they're sitting with a group who's cooler than you. Sure. How do you get separate them from the pack and have a bit of a time? Where you can shine, yeah. And uh, what was the one activity in school where eighty percent of the people who joined up were women? <laughs> it's oh, it's theater, dude. It's theater, always theater. Our stick and old lace. This, dude, is, I, this is this. So I did school I, musicals for that exact reason, and also because you could fucking you could acting kiss people. Yes, but but also yeah. they're the horniest out of everybody oh. because we're so connected through the the shitty acting that we're doing. Yeah, and then all, all of a sudden <laughs> you're a guy with some fucking emotions or some shit. Yeah, dude. But, but I, that's my theory on why actors are short. Because they're all good looking, but they're all short. Sure. Not inherently, actors yeah, Tom Cruise aren't like, short. Tom Cruise is like three yeah, inches tall. You don't tall. need to be short to be a good actor. Comics aren't short. Like we're not John Cleese and all these people. Will Farrell is a big man. Those are, yeah. yeah, those are. Do you want to know why? Because we have a skill that can be impressive. Sure. To people, no, I get it. Actors are short because if you're short, you can't be great at sport. You can be, but that's an exception to the rule, mm-hmm. right? You, you're probably not great at a sport. You're probably not meeting women because women want to date taller guys. Yeah. Right. Uh, you better be able to do a fucking Shakespearean sonnet, real fucking good, <laughs> right? In a class, and that's why they do it in school. It's the same reason that. That all Formula One drivers are little fellas. Yeah. Right? It's not because these cars, they need to lose 20 pounds for the car to be able to drive. Be a little bit faster. That's yeah, a load it's of like bullshit. shaving off all no, your no, hair no, to swim. Because what happened was uh, when they were all racing go karts when they were kids, yeah. the weight did matter. And so the bigger kids gave up, right? Fuck because yeah, I can dude. do other fucking things. And the little guys were like, this is what I'm excelling at. So they stuck with it. Right, and then they became professional drivers. And so, if you picked up your first bit of pussy when you were fifteen, reading a fucking Shakespearean play or some shit, yeah. all of a sudden you're Richard Dreyfus, right? <laughs> you're fucking Richard fucking. Yeah, Dreyfus. but Richard Dreyfus in the seventies <laughs> is sexy as fuck, bro. How else you Don't meet- shit on RD. How, how else are you meeting girls if not to do it this way? Well, I, I, I I'm gonna, I'll, I'll back you up on on your claim because when I was in high Tom school, Tom Brady doesn't need to learn how to act. I know. Michael Jordan didn't need to learn how to act. I know. He never got the bug. <laughs> he never got the bug, right? The bug is, I want to meet girls. But That's yeah. the fucking bug, right? Yeah. You never meet someone like, I'm extremely good at basketball, extremely good, but this other bug has gotten me so much yeah. that I have to give up basketball because I found a calling. Yeah. No, that's a lot of rubbish. I believe it. I believe you're right. 
I mean, I'm, I'm going to back up your claim. The earliest way I used to get girls to let me touch their boobs was to pick up my guitar and play Stone Temple Pilot songs. So I'd be like, "Come over after school. We'll smoke. Uh, we'll smoke this little, little sprinkle of weed that I've saved." And then you know, time to well, take well, so it home. I, I never, I never thought the comedy thing. So I went and studied musical theater at university, and they could put me as the romantic lead in a, in a part, right? Uh-huh. I would be the fucking meant to be the debonair fucking dashing guy. Okay, and I was still. If I was if I was delivering a a, a, a a fucking romantic scene, people were still laughing, and so I was like, "All right, I'm just funny. I, I can't fight. I couldn't fight it anymore." Yeah, I was like, "I'll just do funny roles from here on in." I didn't yeah, even I want it. I, I gave up being a leading man in any way. Yeah, no, I get it, dude. And then the good thing about comedy is, like, good-looking people can be romantic leads. And funny people can still be romantic comedy leads. Comedy can still be romantic. Like, they talk about, like, Ricky Gervais being a romantic lead now in movies. Yeah. And you're like, really? That's sort of... Well, it's, he's, but, but, you know, a lot of women say they're into funny guys. That's, yes, exactly. That's what they are. Exactly, but, exactly. I mean. That's, but would we do anything without girls? Would we do anything? Would we try to, if it was just a world of men and we're all heterosexual men, yeah. would anyone try to achieve anything? If we didn't have women to, we'd kind have of just... buildings just falling down, and we'd all be rolling in our own shit. That no one would be having any careers, just farting all Who's, over the place. Who are, we, who are we trying to impress? It's like it's like yeah. it's like now that I have money, people go, "Oh, the only reason that women like you is because your money." And I go, "That's the only reason I made it. The only reason I fucking made it." I, I was happy in a one-bedroom apartment. I was fine. Yeah, I walk through my house now. I don't use half the space. I know. I mean, there's still this passion to want to go out and perform. No, no, there's none of that. There's none of that. You don't have... Come on. So you're just like... You're just like, all right. Like Kavanaugh, the only reason he wants to be on the Supreme Court is just a is to impress yeah. women. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's backfired on him horribly. Horribly. <laughs> horribly. All right, moving on. Made of Stone, which was my first... Uh, so let me tell you. So when I first got into this record, I was going through this whole British, uh, like, like fuck, it was everything I was talking about. Gomez and Travis and, and, and fucking... Travis! I, I love Travis, dude. You like I loved, Travis? I loved all... I was living in the height of Travis. Travis. Everything in there, every Travis lyric, and I like Travis. Every day I wake up alone because... Everything's like, and so we sing, sing, yeah. sing, 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 All I want to do is rock. And sing. So he just says the same word. <laughs> yeah. And so if you turn, turn, turn. Yeah. Oh, God, turn, dude. Turn, yeah. turn, <laughs> turn, 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 turn. Oh, drifting, 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 drifting. Drifting over the water. Have a drift, I'm drifting. Yeah. I'm going to drift some more. I'm still drifting now. I might sing. sing all I want to do sing. is rock. That's all I want to do is rock. Yeah, his lyric sheets must just read like shit. But Made of Stone. So I, I got this record because we're going to talk about this later, about all these people think that this is one of the greatest British rock albums of all time. And so I was like, well, I got to get it because I believe anything that M- NME or any of these music magazines come out with that's have British in the title. And I was like... I got the record and I didn't like it at all. The only song that stuck out to me was Made of Stone, and I feel like this is probably the most poppiest one. And then, then you. Play us a little bit. Oh, I just got it so sweet. Your pink 
sometimes I fantasize when the streets are cold and lonely and the cars below me burn below me. Don't these tie? It's just it the is shit. Bobby. Yeah, it is Bobby. And then and then I want you to get to. We're gonna go to minute two thirty six. So we can hear this. This is my favorite part of the song. Here's the guitar solo. This is what's yeah, funny. Is a good song. This is a fucking. That's it's the yeah. most poppiest song on the record. Uh, and then you find out that Made of Stone is actually pretty sad because they're obsessed. Uh, you were saying that uh, that Squire is obsessed with Jackson Pollock and he's obsessed with his death. This song is about the car crash and uh, of Jackson Pollock. So now, if you listen to those lyrics, it's about death. So it's about death and the loneliness surrounding it. And then I got to ask this question, like, you know. How does that make you feel? Like, what do you think happens to us after we die? Uh, well, Are no, you afraid nothing, of nothing death? Nothing happens. No, nothing happens when you die. You just die. Don't you want to believe that there's another life? No, I, it terrifies me if there was not uh, heaven that you start over. No. What do you want to? What do you want to start over for? What do you need to keep living forever for? You don't want to come back as like a rabbit. No. No. And, and if I do come back, I don't. I don't want to remember it. And if I've just come back now, I didn't remember it. So what's the point of it to begin with? What's the point of having these other lives if you don't fucking remember them? But I think that they've... It's, it's like, a, you're saying we'd be recycled? Like they've, they've no, 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 no. So, you leave so as you, a bottle, you come back as a plastic plate? So, so <laughs> kind of, but not really. So I, I'm going by the Buddhist view. So it's saying that... That, you know, so whatever you did in the life prior to this, mm. this is what is dictating the life that you're in now. Sure. So the mistakes that you made. But you so don't obvious- remember it. I don't remember it. Why am I paying for the shitty things I did in the life that I don't remember? You're, how are you paying? You're doing, you're, we're sitting in a beautiful life. You've got nine Coke bottles unopened over there. Yeah. Most people only have one. Yeah, that's true. You've got nine. You did something good in your previous life. So, uh, so all these people are having shitty lives. I should spit on them for the <laughs> shitty things they did in their previous life. That's true. hundred yeah. percent. I don't know. And isn't this perpetual? That if you have a bad life and then you get given another bad life, then another bad life, then each life, like like a shitty Russian doll of bad lives, keeps going. How do you turn it around into because, a good life? But then eventually you're going to figure it out. That's what I'm saying. Is that eventually you'll reach that level of enlightenment, and then that'll be it. And then you just go boop. And then you're just fucking. When you're does you're it in a John end, Squire when song. Does it end? When it does it end? It doesn't. Trust me, I want it to every day, but it doesn't. All right, moving on. Now we're getting to my favorite fucking song on this goddamn record. Really? Shoot you down. How do you not think that's the best song on the record? Because here's why. All right, this was my favorite. Just play it from the beginning for a little bit, Peter. Just get that little. Thank you. 
All right, that it's is massage ba- music, man. No, what, massage music? Yeah, yeah. I love how you said it, though. It's massage. You fucking class that shit up. This song is literally, it's about the tale of a man who has grown tired of a relationship. He, he sees the demise of it. He's bitter, uh, and he's just, he just wish he would have turned this girl down at the beginning. So if you listen to these lyrics, you know it, you show it, and the time has come to shoot you down. That's what I've always said about there's no time machines because there's been several relationships in my life that if there was a time machine, old Jim would have jumped over the fence. So old many- Jim never comes back. No. Future Jim's never come back. No. Unless we're in the timeline where the time machine's about to be built. But I don't believe we can never do time travel. We can't do time travel. Yeah. But all you can do is learn from those mistakes. Mm. So that's what that's and then what have another Ian life is, as a snail. But that's what that treats other snails better than all the other snails. <laughs> so, this, so now you're this, but no, your snail last life was good. So what? Because he broke how up much, with the girl. How much can a snail fuck up? This really? is why. This is why this song is so fucking dope. Because this is the biggest. Fuck you to a girl. The way he's saying, he's like, I'd love to do it, and you know you always had it coming. And then, this is it. It's like the most smoothest, most laid-back way to say fuck you with the drums, the guitar. The best part, go to a minute 37, Peter. This is the fucking shit, dude. Like, he's literally like, I never never wanted wanted the love love that that you showed me. me. It started to choke me. And how I wish I'd said no. Too slow. I couldn't take that. I mean, he's like, I want you to know. Like, I fucking do not want to be with you. Okay. That's why I love this song. Because it's so beautiful and such a fucked up thing to say to somebody. So now I got to ask you this question. Mm. Can you describe a moment where you let a relationship either with a friend or a lover drag on longer than you wanted? And deep down, you knew the whole time it was a bad decision. All of them drag on longer than they should have. There's very few that you go in a relationship where you go, oh, I ended that one a bit quick. Sure. Uh, Maybe you do do that. Um, Well, yes, there has been relationships in my life that I let people mistreat me too long and the problem is what happens with that is uh, and i found this in a, a relationship fairly recently but but then i become a bit of a bastard at the end and so so someone's mistreating you and they're not doing great and then you act like a bastard and then the memory is you being a bastard sure you know what i mean so it's like then you become no better than them and then everybody, their friends think you're an asshole. Your friends think they're an asshole. And then it's just a fucking mess. So, sure. So I would never want to name anybody in particular, but but it it, it is a it is a weird thing in life where where it's like no one comes out of war with no injuries. You yeah, know what I mean? that's it, a great way to say it. Yeah. I hate that we have to put relationships and call it a war, but yeah, in yeah. a sense, towards the end, it's just the most. And at you... the end, you go, well, our two countries have found peace. We can show up at a party and not punch each other. But there's, there's, there's a cold. But, but all the fucking lives that were lost <laughs> along the way. So, well, you know one of my exes, and it's like, I remember at the time that we ended it, uh, this is a years ago relationship. I mean, it was mm. the most horrible ending, and then it's just time passes, and then you can see. But, but the thing is, even though she ended it in such a bad way, we were done yeah, a yeah. year prior. I was just with her because we had a place together and, and things going on. Whatever. And dogs yeah, and yeah. fucking. But it's like I knew it. 
but uh, I just think that is the, that's such, a, it's such an interesting way out of all the songs on the record that are so mm. upbeat and danceable to play this song in such a calm way. I find it just to be the the juxtaposition of, of harsh lyrics to the to the fucking shitty things to the to the smooth guitar. It, it's just fucking brilliant, and that's why this one is my favorite song on the album. Now you made me you've you've won me over with that song a bit more than normal. It's dude, listen to dude. Listen to it. Uh, fucking just next time when you're driving home from the office today or next time you're in a bad mood. Or no, fuck that, dude. Put that on that fucking dope-ass record player you got, man. And fucking just smoke a J and just lay back and just have Forrest grease up his body and dance with JJ. So a Tuesday. <laughs> a Tuesday. Well, hey, friends. My name is Zach Lupiton. You may know me from the band Dust Bowl Revival, but I also host a music discovery podcast called The Show on the Road. For the last five seasons, I've been able to dive deep and have intimate chats with folks like the Lumineers, Andy DeFranco, Wolfpack, Keb Moe, Lake Street Dive, Bela Fleck, and more. So guess what? After 150 conversations with some of my favorite songwriters from around the world, we are bringing brand new episodes to the Osiris Network. New interviews and intimate acoustic performances will be coming at you this summer. And which episodes are coming next, you ask? I am Zach Goody, the lead singer for the band Smash Mouth. Our band is called Milky Chance. We are based in Berlin. My name is David Shaw. I sing and write songs with my band, The Revivalists. Trust me, these conversations go some wild places. So subscribe to the show on the road on Osiris, and we'll see you soon. All right, then we could go into this is the one. Um, this is a great song. I actually, this is the one that I keep texting you about. It's basically a song about delivering on your promises. I, I fucking, I really like this one, but I want to get to this one. I am the resurrection, which is the most anti-religious song. It really is for such a for such it, a fun it ta- record. It takes forever to get into it. It does take forever the cor- to get into the it. The chorus is so good. That it's like the payoff is so good. It's it, the song's like fucking for a long time, and when your orgasm's better. I am the resurrection, and, and I, am I am the, the light. light. I couldn't ever bring myself to hate you as I'd like, which is uh, actually taken from the Bible. That is something that uh, Jesus said to Judas. Didn't the, know that. The, I always thought it was just an inspired lyric. No, dude. Because they wrote good lyrics so here you go. 2,000 years ago. Down, down, you bring me down. I hear you knocking at my door and I can't, can't sleep, sleep at night. night. And then this one is your face. Ha- it has no, no place, place, no room for you inside my house. I need to be alone. That's about him having a crucifix in this house and he's like I don't want you looking over my family mm. and and it's just stone me why can't you see you're a no one nowhere washed up baby who'd look better dead I mean it's fucking deep so then I gotta ask this question because Ian actually had those beliefs and you are an outspoken well outspoken I don't know if I'd say that's right but you, you are you an atheist you can't right? be an outspoken atheist you can you're either an atheist or you're not as soon as you voice that opinion you're allegedly outspoken um <laughs> I I spoke it for you. So so how does, because I have this weird thing where I I at least have to believe that there's something going on in the universe. There has to be some form of energy that controls everything. I I believe that. Look, if people want to believe that, that's fine. I don't, but I, I, 
I don't, I don't see how anyone can believe that if there is a God, and like we have to acknowledge now that there's other life in the universe. There's just there's there's millions of planets that can could produce life that are right distance from fucking stars, from suns that could produce life, and and the idea that that there's all these other planets, and if you believe in a God, that they must, he must, have, or she must have produced all these other things, and then you have the audacity to think that after someone created you then they're also looking over you and they're listening to you all day. I made a bit of Lego the other day. Don't know where the fuck it is in the house. I made it. Now I've stopped thinking about what, it. What, Lego? Like Legos? Yeah, yeah, Legos, right? But you, you get what I'm saying? Yeah, I understand. There's things you've made. You've made a little bit of pottery when you're a fucking kid. You produced it. You made it. But you don't check on it every fucking day to see if it's doing well. You know. So the idea, if you want to believe that there's something created, you're fine. I don't. But then how can you have the audacity that this divine creator mm-hmm. is now checking on you and listen to your fucking thing and then like not only created you but now from now my parents aren't checking on me every fucking day yeah no it's just so no, weird you know, it's so weird to know that god would be looking at me when i was at a rave snorting ketamine letting a letting a dude touch my penis for a bump of free k jesus yeah. christ yeah yeah and going, god, going josh, god, josh josh what are you stop doing it. i'm that's, very that's busy like, right now on, i have dude. to check on you all right is it good k yeah you look like you're yeah, the so there's kids dying in africa <laughs> but i'm concerned about this as well so you know so i so when, when did that start for you like when did what, you start to, yeah when did you really miss um, and I, I mean i know this is a lot this is a deeper question i was but, like i was an agnostic from the time i was about about 14 okay and um, then I was probably an atheist from the time I was about 19. Um, but, you know, there wasn't like a pivotal, like a George Carlin album and all of a sudden I listened. So it wasn't like something happened, like a traumatic event? No, I just, I just, I just didn't believe it. I just, I just, every time I saw the news and I saw pain and all that type of stuff, and I thought, what am I meant to fucking pray to someone because I want to, there's a little bit of hardship in my life and there's kids who've got cancer and then I'm if you pray to the Lord then maybe you can blah, blah, blah. and it's yeah. like I like I started just believe that it was mayhem the world was mayhem and life was mayhem which I believe yeah it's 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 yeah. pain it's, it's yeah, suffering yeah. I don't yeah. I don't believe in a master plan where where everything's for a reason and you know I I believe that's almost that's almost like um giving up on um your your responsibility sure. as, as a person. I'm a I'm a big believer in the human condition that we're meant to be nice to each other, and I I don't believe in karma. I think this what goes around comes around theory is completely true because you know what does the Beatles say? And in the end, the love you take is equal to the love you make. Yes, and that's only because people can see when you're spreading love. And people will love you for that. And people, if you're happy to people, people will always be happy to you. Now, I'm not saying that I'm any fucking angel that where people are always, you know, I'm always treating people brilliantly and therefore they treat me brilliantly. But I do see in our world the people who seem to spread love on our planet are the people who seem to receive it as well. You know? I believe that too. But I don't, I don't think that's this um, idea of calm. I don't think it's mystical. I think it's just in anything in life, you get what you give, whether it be your career, you put more into it, you will have a bigger career, everything will be. If you have a, a, a relationship, partnership in your life, and you put a lot into that relationship, that relationship will flourish and be better than other relationships where you just fucking treat each other like shit. I believe everything you're fucking saying, dude. Yeah. Uh, right on. That is perfect. That is perfect. All right. 
You ready to do some facts? Mm-hmm. Facts, facts. They're called me facts. facts. <laughs> I have so many facts. facts I don't <laughs> know what these facts <laughs> are for. Don't tell me your facts. They don't mean anything to me. Bring me some lies and then we'll talk and then we'll see. Alright, here we go. First fact. You have the information. Facts, 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 facts. Alright, little did we know that the Manchester music scene was strong thanks to the Roses as well as the Happy Mondays and James, the Inspiral Carpets, and they were given the nickname... Madchester. This was all given the nickname Madchester. Madchester. That was coined by the Happy Mondays, the word Madchester. The scene, and this is this is where I'm going to get to the fact, the scene was spawned a Sean sound Ryder. and fashion known as baggy. So the music is an, uh, this is a hard word for me to say, amalgamation of the 60s psychedelic of funk house and guitar-driven rock, while the fashion is inspired by rave, hippie, football, and retro cultures. Rennie sported a bucket hat yeah. that becomes so iconic and influential that people named it the Rennie hat. Now, if you look at it then, it was pretty hip, but now, I mean, it still kind of holds up. Let me ask you a question. This Do you know is the where north th- of England have a weird thing going weird, on? There's like, a thing called Northern Salt. Yeah. Which, for a bunch of white people just eating chips and fucking gravy, mm-hmm. for whatever reason, and it didn't happen in London, um, during the sort of 70s, mm-hmm. when soul music was at its peak, it was massive in America, um, with mostly black people, mm-hmm. and it was massive in the north of England. Hmm. didn't reach Australia, and they call it Northern Salt. And this is a little bit where all this comes from now, Okay, where it all sort of bleeds <clears throat> in. So what I wanted to ask you is, because these guys were fashion icons, and you look at that then, and you look at what, that, what it looks like now... What different scenes have you been influenced by? Now I'm talking. Let's talk about fashion in particular. Like, do you have any of these uh, moments I, that you I regret? Was, when I was 14, yeah, I bought a Stussy pork pie hat because of Big Audio Dynamite. Wait, which one was that? Sweet dry, slow time again. I would do it all the same. Situation now. No, you got to remember that's the Clash. Fuck yeah, dude. What's his name? Mick Jones. Mick Jones from the Clash. Yeah. In all the film clips, he wore those, and I was like, all right, well, that's what I'm doing now. I had one that had Stussy written across it. So you used to wear this? And that, yeah, I was how 15, old? maybe 14, 15, yeah. Did you, did you feel confident? You were, you were, you were I like, was you trying were doing to pull your, it off. You were doing your plays and your musicals, yeah, yeah, yeah. trying to get that theater pussy. Yeah, I was, your, yeah, walking around with my your, pork pie hat. pork pie motherfucking hat. I mean, yeah. I can't hate on this. Well, God, I had my, like, wigger days. I had my... Heavy metal mullet days that I regret. I had my fucking raver pants days. My my the last real movement of clothing that I was obsessed with was when I was really into the Verve. Yeah, I used to wear turtlenecks all the time because I wanted to dress like Richard Ashcroft. <laughs> all right, here we go. Next fact: a reunion they said would never happen. In 2002, John Squire stated in an interview with the Guardian that he'd rather remove his own liver with a teaspoon mm. when asked about the possibility of a revival tour. And in 2011, Ian Brown told Clash that he'd need to be down to his last chicken dinner. Mm. Well, it happened, and we're guessing that Squire's liver remains secretly intact because they did win a win a chicken dinner. They did reunite in 2013. So let me ask you a question. Is there anything that you'd never do again that you thought you would never do, and then you ended up doing again? 
Something that I thought I would never go back to that I, I, I maybe swallowed some pride and went back to maybe or could be swallowing pride. I mean, it could be. I or, 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 jump could, off or it this could, or it could it. be. It could be something that because there's things in your life where you go, oh, I, I don't want to go back to that bit of my career, and then you sort of miss it. And you, you and I'm trying to think of like a, something big because I know there's little tiny things. There's certain like I remember there's comedy clubs throughout my career where it's like fuck that comedy club. I'm not playing there again because maybe. They didn't treat me great sure. when I was an open mic. And then you're like, oh, they were always cunts. And then when you become like a more popular comic, and then you're like, fuck it, I will play that club. You know what I mean? But you, you, I'll tell you one thing that you hit like about bitterness. Um, so I have a friend, very good comic, and I won't say who it is. And then when he was young, the Just for Last Comedy Festival yeah. told him to fuck off, right? And so whenever they had the auditions or people had to go back to it or something like that, he's like, fuck it, I won't even audition for it. And that was that was anger that he was holding on to. Sure. They'd forgotten the incident even happened. Yeah. So it's very often you're fighting with yourself in this world where you're where you're like, Well, that person needs to apologize and, and and the argument that you're having is with you and not with them anymore. They've already forgotten it or moved on. Whether oh, it be like a, Yeah, dude. Like like an ex girlfriend where you're like, No, I, I'm still and then you forget like we all grow up, we all make mistakes and yeah. we all you know what I mean? And so, so unless someone royally fucks you off in this world, it's just not worth worrying about anymore. <laughs> All right, let's go into the next one. Ian Brown had a cameo role in the 2004 Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban as a wizard magically stirring his drink while reading Stephen oh, Hawking. I didn't know that. I didn't know that either. He's reading a Stephen Hawking's A Brief History in Time at the Leaky Cauldron. What? Uh, do you have any uh, cameos, any little things that people might miss if they didn't know you were in um, it? Uh, there was there was a TV show called The Librarians, which is like it's uh, on TNT and TNT. Fuck yeah, dude! Yeah, and in the Christmas episode, I play I'm I'm Santa Claus. <laughs> I was just brought in because one of the producers was uh, one of the show not the producers one of the uh, ads the assistant directors was the uh, assistant director on The Librarians was on legit yeah. my TV show. And he, he said, oh, we need, like, a Santa with a Cockney accent. I said, I don't have a Cockney accent. But he goes, oh, just come in. It was two lines, and I got asked that, like, that night, and I showed up in the morning, and I was in a Santa outfit. And I was just like, all right, so people came and robbed us. You know what I mean? Because i got a beard on, like, zero people have ever pulled this up. So we can find it? Can if you, you find, Google yeah. right now Jim Jeffrey we'll, Santa Claus, you'll be able to find a picture of it. We'll pull it up. I'm eating, like, chili. I'm eating, like, a bowl of chili. And I do like a terrible accent. My acting's really bad, but I didn't give a hit, fuck. Hit me with the lines real quick. I was, it was like, all right, someone robbed us. Oh, this, this chili isn't half good, is it? <laughs> right? And it was directed by the guy from like Star Trek. The new, Steven the next, Spielberg. No, it the Next JJ, Generation. It was the guy J.J. Abrams. The, the guy had the beard in, in Star Trek, like the, the Next Generation Star Trek. Which one? Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, Fucking was, the dude. He was the director. Right, and I remember like he didn't know what the point of me was. He was like, we could have gotten an actor. And he's like, who are you? And I'm like, ah. Yeah, I got, I've had an I HBO special. i got shit going on. <laughs> you know? like, this wasn't like a comedy thing either. All right, moving on. So, uh, little did you know, they vandalized their former record label. All four members were arrested and charged after painting the office walls of FM Revolver, their former label, in retribution for reissuing their 1987 Sally single, Cinnamon. Sally Cinnamon, without permission. All right. Yeah, they did. They tried to make like a music video for it and everything. Okay, so now my question is, what's your taste for revenge like? Do you... Uh, 
do you fucking do you just hold it in or do you do you act on it or um, no I've never been a, a, a very vengeful person I don't and who would I want revenge from and 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 what is what is the the like how bad <laughs> revenge do you need on someone like like how badly like so so it go, it's normally like someone cheats on you yeah right so then what you do and I've done this throughout my life you shag one of their friends always a shag yeah yeah there's always there's always that but you go is that really the the best we have to offer all right so i get it getting on uh, from that another fact here we go pete townsend mm. of the who gave mm. them their first gig the band was playing their first gig on october 23rd 1984 opening for pete townsend at an anti-heroin event in london after sending him a note reading i'm surrounded by skag heads i want to smash them can you give us a show the Stone Roses impressed onlookers, and they soon received record label offers. Is there anybody that specifically maybe gave you that first break? Like, what was you still you're saying the big break? Yeah, the, the first break was the first break of my career. There was a comic called Gary Who, who was a fairly popular comic in Australia, and I was still at university, and I was doing some open mic nights, and he had to do some gold mining tours, and these were crowds of like 200 people. Uh-huh. And he said, oh, why don't you come out on this trip with me and open up for me? And at that stage, that, that offer was too big to, to say sure, no to. I could but imagine. I, I remember thinking um, that, that that was the first time I sort of got like sort of the idea of being on the road and doing a gig a night. You know what I mean, and so the, so the last thing. So Gary's a lot older now, and um, he, mostly acting now in his career. Doesn't do as much stand up, but still is in movies and stuff in Australia. And when I, I just went and did the Sydney Opera House uh, six months ago or something, and I made sure Gary opened for me. You know? Oh, that's so, great! So, yeah, that's fantastic. That's fucking great, dude. Yeah, but that was the first time that someone actually sort of stuck their neck out for me. Yeah, but I think it's very important, like someone like Pete Townsend or something. Um, in any business, mm-hmm. if, if you if you reach the top, you have to push the button to send the elevator back down. I agree with that. Yeah. So so then I is besides because otherwise you look like a cunt the whole thing. Oh, you, for sure. You know these people who get successful and they don't want anyone else to be successful. Like they're yeah. saving something. Yeah. And it's like it doesn't cost much just to push that button. It, no, it, I it doesn't take a lot of time, and you just send it back down. And I then, completely agree. As you go up, you reach down, pull people yeah. up. All right, so it's in 2000, it received the Greatest Album Ever Award at the NME Premier Awards show, and in 2006, the album topped the magazine's 100 Greatest British Albums mm. Ever list. And that gets 498 in America. What? Do you really agree with that? Do you feel that this is the best British record no, of top, all it's time? top five. Top five? Yeah. What's beating it? Well, the Beatles have to have something in there, you know. Of course, one of them in, and put Revolver in there somewhere. I'd put Morning Glory above it, or no, no, I put definitely maybe above it. I, I would think that if you go just with bands that are from Manchester, I don't even think the Stone Roses are are the de- best band from Manchester. Maybe is one of the most solid albums you'll ever listen to. Did You're that ta- get in the top five hundred list? Which one? Definitely, maybe. Yes. And to. we're gonna end on this, Jim. I can't thank you enough. Here's the Where Are They Now from the Stone Roses. Written by big, black, and beautiful producer David Ross. After rattling the UK with their self-titled debut album, the Stone Roses went on to release an album in the 1994 called Second Coming, Mm. which received mixed reviews. After this, the band organically dissolved. First, Rennie departed, then Squire, and soon Ian and Manny decided it was their time to go. Although, 
Each continued to be prolific artistically. Squire formed the Seahorses. Meanwhile, Brown went on to release volume of albums that continued to break UK's top five charts. The band reunited for a tour in 2012 and played before Coachella Crowd in 2013. They even released original music in 2016 for the first time in 20 years. Did you hear it? I did. I need a single one. Did you like it? I didn't mind it. It's not bad. All right, but they never created anything as timeless as their debut album, which begs the question... Who the fuck cares about some of the mishaps to follow so long as they got it right the first time when it all really mattered? Do you agree with that? I do. Fuck yeah, dude. I- I'm so happy to have you on here, man. Thank all you right. so much for coming in. Thanks for having me, bro. Thank you. This was so much fun. Jim Jeffries, ladies and gentlemen. Told you it was a good episode. Told you, told you, told you. I love that man to death. You love him too. Send him a message on social media and tell him how you enjoyed the episode. You can find Jim Jeffries on all social media at Jim Jeffries. And if you want all things Jim Jeffries, tour dates coming up. I know he's got a tour of Asia coming up. Go to JimJeffries.com. I'll also be posting his mixtape track listing on all social media and on our website, and that will then be posted on all music platforms so you can get inside the mind of what Jim loves musically. Email this podcast if you want to tell me how good a job I'm doing or how shitty of a job I'm doing, or you just want to say what's up, 500podcast at gmail.com. Follow me on social media at Josh Adam Myers on all social media. That's spelled M-E-Y-E-R-S. Don't even think about fucking spelling my last name M-Y-E-R-S because I hate you if you do that. It's Josh Adam Myers, M-E-Y-E-R-S on all social media. Tomorrow night, it's my birthday, everybody. It's my birthday. November 15th at the Roxy with Bill Burr and Jim Jeffries. Make sure you come. The goddamn Comedy Jam, if you haven't bought tickets, it's actually sold out already, so sorry about that. November 18th, me and Ryan Sickler, last week's guest, we talked about B.B. King live at Cook County Jail. Ryan and I will be at The Famous in Baltimore, Maryland, doing a special second night of our of our originally just one show on the 17th, where we added another date on November 18th uh, because we sold out the first one. It's going to be fantastic. Ryan is headlining. He's got a new CD coming out called Get a Hold of Yourself. Uh, it's an incredible hour special, so it's a big party in Baltimore to celebrate the release of his album. Pre-order it. Uh, order it. Just get Ryan Sickler's new record. And all tickets uh, to all or any of my shows are going to be at my website, joshadammyers.com. Last name spelled M-E-Y-E-R-S. And you can follow every little stitch and inch of news that the 500 podcast has by going to our website the 500 podcast.com that'll show you all the locations to subscribe on your favorite platform and please subscribe rate and review i love you i love you i love you now we just listened to the stone roses from 1989 now here's an artist that is directly influenced by this album from melbourne australia sometimes they say melbourne Melbourne, Australia. We have the Rolling Blackouts Coastal Fever, and this is their new song, Talking Straight, off their new release, Hope Downs. I love this song. I love this band. It's super old school. You can definitely hear how the Stone Roses influenced them. And if you are in a band 
and were directly influenced by one of these albums or artists that were playing, I want your music to be featured on the 500. So please send your song to 500podcast at gmail.com. Make sure you put the album and the artist that was influenced in the subjects. And if we like the song, we will play it at the end and hopefully launch your career into the stratosphere. And hopefully one day you'll always look back and say, you know, the biggest break we ever got was on that podcast that was run by a guy that looked like Billy Bob Thornton during his Gone in 60 Seconds period. Fuck yeah, dude. Well, that's the end of this podcast, guys. Don't forget, next week is the White Stripes 2001 release, White Blood Cells, coming in at number 497. So you guys got some homework to do. Listen to the White Stripes Share the podcast, and thank you so much for tuning in. See you next week. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday. 
I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Avoid where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hi, this is Chad Nicefield. And this is Justin Press. We're the host of Making Waves, the Shiprock Podcast, a part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. We're inviting you to sail away with us on an epic journey in musical enlightenment. Every week, we bring you only the best artists in rock music and discuss everything from the cruise to the stage to the saga of being a professional recording artist. We'll have lots of special guests along the way, so tune in every week. Your stateroom is available every Monday morning, so welcome aboard. Next Chapter Podcasts.